0: Sporting the Law on Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. For Bryden's Lawyers, let our team of professionals help with your legal matter.
1: Happy man this week. I, I understand if if we were to steal Lee's uh, laptop right now and search history, we would see Google search grand final tickets release date <laughs> uh, after their win on Sunday at Belmore. True or false, Lee? Is that true? Is it true in your search history? Uh, not, grand...
0: not quite yet, gentlemen. Not quite yet. No, good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Greg. No, um... It was only a trial, of course, mm. Uh very pleasing. Some very good signs. Much mm. uh, much nicer to win a trial than to lose one. Uh, but, uh, but Tim promised us that we wouldn't recognise the tier, the team this year, and I, I think he's going to be right about that.
1: All right. Now, now, before we get to the topics we had thought we were going to get to, I want to throw the one at tipping at you first of all. Um, Brandy doesn't tip, so it doesn't apply to him. I occasionally tip, you know, but it's no king's ransom. Can you, in this day and age where tips just get into a pool and shared among staff, can, can you make sure that your tip goes to one particular waiter or one person from the restaurant? How do you do that?
0: Well, you do it, Andrew, by giving the tip to the person directly. You see, if you pay by credit card, for example, then indicate where you want the money to go, there's, there, there would be difficulty with that because the money is actually paid to the restaurant itself. And then it's a matter of policy as to how the, the tip is distributed. So if you wanted the particular waiter or waitress to benefit directly, then you're, you're better off giving them the money directly. And that would have to be in the form of cash, unless of course the waiter or waitress is carrying around their own uh, bank EFT machine. <laughs> ten thousand. Wow. Yeah.
2: So he just he just produced. He paid his bill and then said, "Well, here's uh, ten for you." No, I think
0: so.
1: <laughs> Only leave a tip. He, he The man paying said he'd only leave a tip if she got at least seventy percent of it, telling her to keep seven thousand for herself and split the rest with the colleagues. There you go. So that's an amazing story out of Melbourne. Now, Brandy, we do have some topics to mm. talk about, and it relates to some uh, a pretty big story from last week.
2: Yeah, Peter Bowles. Um, Peter Bowles. Uh, a sample, of course, Lee. You know the story. Um, tested. Yep. Went positive. B sample was negative, which is very rare. It has happened in the past, but it uh, but it is yeah. rare. Um, I guess the legality about his name being, well, you, you, are almost run out of the sport before your B sample is, uh, confirming the positive test. Um, he lost sponsors. He, you know, he, he went through a, a longer period than you should have to. Um, should they be changing the, the rules around this and testing a B sample much quicker
0: Well, Greg, to answer that, let's just consider how it all works. And having a look at it yesterday, I can tell you it is so complicated and so convoluted, it did my head in. Now, Peter, unfortunately, came to their attention quite a bit last year. He was, in fact, tested 26 times in 2022, comprising 16 urine tests and 10 blood samples. And the reason for that was made known to him in January this year when he was given a document to suggest that he, in fact, had tested positive 12 months earlier but at that time one laboratory came back saying the sample was positive but the second lab showed a negative result so he was not even informed of this so unbeknownst to him he became a target of testing throughout Uh, 2022 now the a sample proved positive as we know he then chooses to have the b sample tested the b sample is then split into two part of it sent uh, to cologne the other part dealt with here in australia However, in relation to the testing, there's a lot of criticism apparently because the testing results have an element of subjectivity. That is, one technician could come back and find the results positive and another technician could come back and find the results negative. Now, with the first A test, there are five bands in the EPO testing range that are measured and Peter apparently was marginally over only on one of the five bands. Now, there is a, a professor, a, a Catherine Ordway, who's a sports integrity research leader at Canberra University, and she's also queried whether the EPO tests uh, uh, take into account genetic or racial differences. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, the, that's the premise of all this testing. Uh, how it got out remains to be seen, but you're right, though, simply the leaking of the result, which is equivocal from the A sample, has had disastrous uh, consequences for Peter. Sebastian Coe, who's the World Athletics president, came out wanted to defend the public identification of the athlete. Our criminal system, of course, provides that people are presumed innocent until until proven guilty. A, uh, a positive sample A doesn't doesn't establish guilt until such time it's confirmed with the B sample. So the whole the whole saga is completely unsatisfactory. And if Peter Ball wanted to look at his legal options, I'd be encouraging him to do so.
2: Absolutely, but. Lee, the, the the dragging out of the uh, the B sample test, like so long, so it, you know, he he spends a month getting, um, just well castigated for no. being a, a drug cheat, young Australian went, of the year. Went, was just, 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 that was
1: part of what the catch. Was.
2: Why don't they do it a little bit quicker?
0: Well, uh, I'll explain that. Um, the first sample uh, is subject to what they call a SARS SARS test, being a page gel test. Uh, that's the sample A. Then when they split it for the sample B, which gets sent off, as I say, to Germany and the second part here, that is an isoelectric focusing test, which is the test that was previously utilised by Sport Integrity Australia. So it's different testing to begin with. Oh, that's so out- as to why it takes so long, I don't know. But that's the process.
2: Okay. So that would, be, that would be an explanation as to why an A sample could be different to a B sample because they're, they're testing it differently.
0: Absolutely. One's a SARS test, Bizarre. and one is a IEF, ISOelectric focusing test.
2: Wow, that is that. Well, they need to clean that up, don't they? And I, 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 I hope, I hope Sebastian Coe was saying that. Yes, we need to look at the the processes that we and how we deal with with athletes.
1: Yep. All right, Lee. Quick one to finish. Uh, the NRL looking to introduce uh, a new concussion rule. Can there be any blowback on this? I mean, legally, I mean, is a concussion rule or pr- protocols and that, the same as a pl- you know, rule of play, if you will. And you just have to abide by it. So if they bring in you know, mandatory standard in 10 days, 12 days, you can't
0: challenge it. Uh, no, Andrew, I think this is all being driven at the moment, of course, by the NRL's medical advisory panel. And the NRL will be guided by the best medical advice that, um, that it has available to it. Now, it would not be remiss of us to also suspect that the NRL has one eye on future legal or class action. If it is ultimately established that the NRL had available to it medical advice that players should be stood down, mandatory stand down in the case of concussion, as they do with the AFL, and the NRL ignores that advice and a player suffers injury as a result in the future and can establish a link between that injury and the failure to be stood down, then that would be a clear breach of duty of care by the NRL. So, as I say, so I think the NRL at the moment is very conscious of two aspects to the matter, the medical, the advice of the receiving and the potential legal ramifications if they ignore that advice.
2: Uh, John Bateman. He's been all clear, John Bateman, um, apparently from what we've heard uh, in the media. But uh, when, when is he touching down, Lee? Do you know?
0: Uh, no, I don't know exactly. I, I'm hopeful that he's on the plane as we speak. Uh, all the visas have been dealt with, so there's no reason for any delay. Uh, journal Ramby yesterday suggested he wasn't a plane. It was news to me. But um, uh, I haven't seen that as yet. He usually posts uh, – he's a prolific poster on social media, uh, John. So I'm sure if there's a photo of him at the airport with his family, we'll know about it. But uh, he, he may, in fact, be on a plane as we speak. But I know, it's, I know it's imminent.
1: Well, that's good news. Just adding to what has been a good week for the Tigers, Lee. You have yourself a good week there at Brighton's Lawyers. I'm sure you'll be busy, as always. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. Thanks, Lee. 23 minutes after 8.
0: Right, Sport us. the Law on Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. For Bryden's Lawyers, let our team of professionals help with your legal matter.
1: Just clearing it up. It'll be 23 after 8 in 5 minutes time from now. Vossie and Brandy here. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget, you can listen live to the show every weekday morning from 6 till 9.
2: Tune in through 1170am in Sydney or anywhere in the world through the SEN app.